Mile High Green Cross offer an experience that you won't forget. Mile High Green Cross has award-winning products. You can head down to their store and sign up for their loyalty program as well. And when you do, you'll get 20% off your entire purchase once per month. That's right. They're hooking up DNVR and all of our members with 20% off your entire purchase. This offer extends to members that even are already in their loyalty program as well. So you're covered there just mentioned dnvr on your next visit they have a variety of products from edibles to concentrates to cartridges and they have great prices including 99 dollars pre-pack ounces and v3 hash oil bulk deals five cartridges for a hundred bucks they also offer a very quick and easy experience their average time from entering to leaving the store is just nine minutes so you can be in and out quick and get on with the rest of your day head downtown and check them out they are in a convenient location at 9th and Broadway and they have parking in the back as well Mile High Green Cross save 20% on your entire purchase once a month when you get signed up for their loyalty program and Cole gets another good righty and another right by Cole, a left by Cole this time tipped in front by Mika Rentinen he shoots and scars Nathan McKinnon Cole J.T. Comfer, 877 goes now. Gabriel Landeskog, collective hugs, 29 and 92. See me by Grubauer. Move over, Picasso. This piece of art is by McKinnon. My goodness gracious. <laughs> Welcome into the DNBR Avalanche podcast presented by Davidson's Beer, Wine, and Spirits. They have over a thousand different varieties of beer for you to try, as well as wines from around the world and fine single malts and rare whiskeys as well. You can download their app today and use promo code FIRST10 to receive 10% off your purchase of $25 or more. That lasts through the end of January, which we're rapidly approaching. So get on that while you still can in either of their convenient locations in Centennial or Highlands Ranch, and you can also get your purchase conveniently delivered to your door. And remember to use code FIRST10, F-I-R-S-T-1-0, to get that 10% off your purchase of $25 or more. I'm Nathan Rudolph. He's AJ Hayfley. Y'all have asked for it, so we are here to deliver We will get to the draft pod probably next week, I imagine. But today, it's Avalanche Prospect Day. And our primary focus is going to be on the Colorado Eagles, the prospects that are pushing, and believe me, a few of them are pushing for spots on the NHL roster. The Eagles have been a very solid team this year, pretty safely better than they were last season. They're squarely in a playoff position as it stands right now, third in the Pacific division. AJ, is this Eagles team an improvement from last year in a development sense? Because I think that's the bigger question to answer. Uh, Boy, this sounds like a conversation we had yesterday, doesn't it? Sure does. (laughs) (laughs) Wonder where we get our ideas for shows. Um. You know, I think it is. I think it's a step forward. Uh, it's not as big a step forward as it could be. Uh, but I do think that it is a step forward because you're looking at when healthy, Connor Timmons is playing regularly. He may not be playing 25 minutes a night, but he's playing regularly. He's getting the opportunities that a guy like Nick Malosh never really got. Um, when healthy, you know, Shane Bowers, Martin Kaut, AJ Greer, those guys are all playing, sometimes playing together which I think is really nice to have. You want these kids building up a rapport and playing together so that when they get called up, if one of them sticks, then another one gets called up. There's a comfort level already developed. They understand how to play together. They just move up in Yahtzee, you know? So I do think that it's a step forward uh, in terms of development. But again, I would stress not as big a step forward as it could be. Right. There are some problems, I think, particularly down when you you dig into especially not the high-end picks, but we'll get to that 
if we get to that. The focus everyone wants to know about, the reality is the first round picks are the ones that matter the most. So let's start with the one that is currently having the most successful season, and that is Shane Bowers. Bowers did start off the season slow. We talked about that earlier in the year. He had a a bit of injury trouble, and then after that, he essentially just came on like absolute gangbusters. Since returning in the first week of December, he has, I believe it's 14 or 15 points in about as many games. That includes seven goals. So he's been lighting up the AHL in a way that, Honestly, I don't think very many people expected from him, given that his big question mark was the offensive side. Not a point-per-game player in the USHL, not a point-per-game player in two years in college hockey. Yep. Um, And that is, let me tell you, like, not a point-per-game player in the USHL and a first-round pick is a rare combination for a forward. If If you remember, do you remember Cam Morrison? Anybody? Anybody remember Cam Morrison? Cam Morrison was a 30-goal scorer in the USHL and was 40th overall and has completely disappeared into the ether. We have no idea what he is as a prospect. So the offensive upside was a very real question mark with Bowers. But this was also a guy who has always been known for the two-way game, the defensive acumen, very high hockey IQ. Seven games to start the the season, I believe. Is that correct? Uh, In which he was scoreless? Yes, Yes, the first seven. You cut those first seven out, and he has 19 points in 23 games in the AHL. And if you're watching, he's played both center and wing, and I think that's a really, really important distinction because the fact that they've moved him over to wing recently, uh, I think is them preparing him for the call. I don't know if I believe that, but I sure hope it's the case. Uh, I, uh, he has to get NHL games this year at this point. It, he's done absolutely everything. And, and I think it's a key point that you, you brought up the rest of his game outside of the scoring because that translated almost immediately. Very responsible with the, fu- the puck. 200-foot player, absolutely. And I think maybe one of the key factors that we have remarked on for him this season is he came in as a significantly better skater than he was in college. Yeah, a great skater. He was always a good skater, but you watch him now, and it's it jumps off the ice at you. This is this is no longer like ah, uh, this is this is something he does well. Like he's a very good skater. Yep, and look, he's blowing by guys in the AHL. That is right, and you talk about. That fitting into Colorado's identity, and it's perfect fit. Yep. You know, when you look at the the weak points in Colorado's NHL roster, uh, if you're going to replace Matt Nieto, then you're not losing anything in terms of skating. If you're going to replace, say, Tyson Jost or Vlad Kamenev, you're getting an upgrade in skating. So... What is his fit there? As you're alluding to Kamenev, you're alluding to Jost, you're alluding to Nieto... He's played a little bit of wing. Can he slot in for Belmar on that 4C line? What is the easiest path to an NHL game this season for Shane Bowers? Uh, well, he needs injuries to help uh, to happen again, and not just Colin Wilson's indefinite disappearance. Uh, he needs probably one more injury. He would be my first call-up right now if one more guy went down. And uh, if there's any kind of setback in Don with Donskoy, and so far there hasn't been, and he looks on track to uh, to play February 1st against Philadelphia. Um, but if there's any kind of setback whatsoever, um, you might even consider calling him up in favor of a Kamenev or a Jost. Now, I probably wouldn't just because both of those guys have had strong efforts recently and you want to give them as long a leash as possible. Um, you really, you're near, you're really not, You really, it's really not um, realistic for him to replace Nieto this season as like a healthy scratch. When you talk about Nieto, it's more of that he's a free agent and that's a next season conversation, I think. So finding the, the, the place for Bowers is really, that's the hard part of this. Where do you find a place? And if they, if they go out and they make a deadline deal to get another top six forward that pushes everybody down, 
where, where, where do you go from there? And this is sort of the problem that they've created for themselves when, you know, when they signed a guy like Val Nachushkin, when they have Kamenev, they have Jost, is that you just don't really have an obvious spot here until after the season. And I think, honestly, I think that's their plan. And I'm perfectly okay with the plan of making Bowers an NHL regular next season, but it starts by getting him NHL games. I really, really do think it's a big deal to get a prospect a few NHL games at full NHL speed. You give them something to work with. You make it so they understand what an NHL game looks like. And if you can get that for someone before they come into an offseason, they get a full offseason and then get to compete for an NHL spot. Mm-hmm. I think that's a huge world of difference for that play. In the same way that look at Shane Bowers last year. Yeah, when he got AHL games at the end of the year. He got a couple of AHL games and understood, okay, here's what's going to have to happen in order for me to be successful. And took took a couple of games. We don't know the impact that that had, but we also know that that did not hurt him. Right. I'd, it certainly didn't hurt, and I do think there's a very good chance that it helped him out a good bit as well as far as game planning for his offseason. I mean, just realistically. It's that stuff always helps guys to what extent we don't really know <laughs> to be honest, but always helps guys to, to be able to get into games and to, to, to understand the speed and the adjustment. And this is the difference in level. Yeah, and I get this question a lot, so I do want to clear this up. Bowers is 20 years old, so he's burning the year on his contract this year no matter what, whether he plays 10 NHL games or not. There's no nine games to mess around with. This is the first year of his ELC. Done. That's not the case with Martin Kaut. Right. Kaut can have that ELC slide another year being 19. So that does come into play. We're watching that happen right now. Yeah, I don't – I would be – shocked if Martin Kaut gets 10 NHL games this year. I'd, I'd, be, be, Mar- I'd be shocked if Martin Kaut got one. Right. At, at this point, it would be very difficult to get him in for one just because of the reality of the season he's having. And granted, it, it has gotten a lot better in this second half of the year, whatever you want to call it. After he mm-hmm. returned from injury as well, it's been significantly better. And that is something we will talk about in Period number two. But before we get to that, here's a cheers to Shane Bowers from Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer of DNVR. You can drink any one of their number of beers. I actually don't know the count of of beers that they have at this point. They have a ton and ton of beers, whether it's the Avalanche Amber Ale, the Strawberry Sky, the new seasonal blueberry one they have on the shelves as well. They just keep pumping out amazing beers. And to be honest with you, I can't get enough of any of them. And uh, we actually have something real cool to talk to you about in regards to Breck as well. They have an awesome announcement coming up next week. That's all I can say about it. But just stay tuned to Breck Brew coming up here. Second period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by Davidson's Beer, Wine, and Spirits, hosted by Rudo, joined by AJ. We're talking Eagles and Avs prospects here, and the Martin Kaut conversation is a weird and winding one. The exact same way Shane Bauer started the season. No points in his first seven games. Then he went down with a concussion and missed significant time this year. So he was basically sitting on the sideline for a month and a half with no points to his name. He comes back in mid-December, started off a little bit slow, but then, you know, started to get the wheels turning a point here, a point there. But the production has not exploded off the page like Shane Bowers has. Three point uh, to be noted, a three assist game last week. It is, you know, those there are flashes. He had a two-point game at the end of December against Bakersfield as well. But the one that should have been a three-point game? Yeah, with the kick-in with goal. With the kick goal, where that, that still makes me mad, man. It was a very it's, clearly not kicked goal. It was such a bad call. I mean, look, I love 
watching the prospects. I love watching the AHL. At least it was officially not a goal instead of some other random person getting the goal because they got the jerseys wrong. Yeah, like uh, the game that I went to uh, that I worked last year yeah, where Igor got three assists that he didn't get credited for. <laughs> Igor had a four assist night and he was credited for two of them because they got his jersey wrong and they gave the other two to one of the defensemen. I don't remember which one. Yeah, I, I can't remember which one either, but it's let's just say it was absurd. The box scores don't tell the whole picture. <laughs> yeah, it's why you have to be very careful when you're box score scouting prospects in the AHL. Yep. Is that the the scoring is not I don't I don't want to call it unreliable because it makes you doubt everything, but it is not 100% accurate. For sure. I mean, to be fair, neither is the NHL. Uh, the NHL usually gets it right eventually. It just might take two days. I mean, that one goal is still going to Jost. That's all I'm saying. No, it's not. They changed it. Did they change it? Yeah. They hadn't changed it yesterday. They changed it. Yeah. Oh, good. Well, that's why stats. I'm saying it might get take two right. days. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right. Good for the NHL for doing their jobs. Uh, Cal, here's the thing with Cal, especially after he's come back from this injury. Mm-hmm. It's kind of funny because a lot of people weren't sure about the production from Shane Bowers and that offensive side. Mm-hmm. Cowd has kind of swapped places now where that offensive production isn't there, but he has become incredibly reliable and incredibly consistent on the defensive end. Mm-hmm. He's even getting some pretty significant time on the PK for the Eagles. And I think, again, this is all preparation. This is all putting him in a role where he's going to be comfortable uh, at the next level. Right. You're kind of the same story. If we're talking about next year and you're looking at what Cout would be replacing on the Avs roster, they're going to want him to PK. They're going to want him to play like a bottom six NHL player. Yes. So... Real, I mean, because where do you put him in the top six? Right, he's just even if they don't make a deadline deal and they make zero offseason additions, which uh, seems unlikely given what happened last summer. Yep. Um, with all of that, you know, even even if you consider that, he still would have a trouble in the top six. Right. I. I mean, you're basically looking at the Am's top six right now with say with a healthy Donskoy. Is what Martin Cowd is going to bring you in his rookie season more effective in the top six than Donskoy? If you believe that, I admire your optimism, but that's just not reality. If you believe that, you're probably related to him, and we would <laughs> love to talk to you. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> and you know what? You can have the conversation about Martin Cowd's ceiling. Maybe there's a world where he's a 40 to 50 point player in the NHL. But that's not what he's going to break into the league as. Yeah, I mean, I can see that developing over time, uh, but it's going to be a slower burn to get there. Uh, probably a Tyson Jostian development path, where sure. it's slower at first, is what I'm saying. Like, right, Cal could show up and be a 26 point guy in his rookie season, and if you told me that that was going to happen, I would take that right now. 100 percent would take it, and. I think the separator between Kaut and Jost on that platform, well, first of all, not rushing Kaut into the NHL, but Kaut's at a pro level has rounded out his defensive game fairly significantly now. And it's not going to be the, okay, you have to produce at a top six level or you're a disappointment. There are facets to his game that are going to fit in the bottom six a lot faster than Tyson Jost's did. Yeah, um, he's a more natural fit there. Bigger body, more defensively responsible, uh, plays within a certain, a specific kind of structure much more naturally than Jost, who has spent the last couple of years basically learning how to be a top six player in the NHL. Yeah. With that being said, he's not ready. He's just not. I I think the concussion really hurt his development this year. Yeah. This was someone that I was saying in the offseason, I'd like to see him ready for an NHL call-up by December. And instead, he's just shaking off the cobwebs and getting back on the ice in December. 
Yep. And so, um, this is where the contract is an advantage for everyone involved. Yep. Because Cout uh, gets the financial security of five years of not having to worry about a contract. He is not playing for survival at any point. Uh, not yet, anyway. And the Avs get a five-year ELC. They get two free years of uh, Cout's development in the AHL. And then they'll get three years um, starting next year. The ELC will will begin no matter what. And that's great for them. And off of that, obviously, he's only 19. But I do want to kind of reiterate that because for most AHLers, for Canadian AHLers that are coming out of the CHL, you enter the AHL at 20. So if you play for two years in the AHL, you're 22. And there's still significant progress you can make after that point, but the clock is ticking at that point. Look at Kout's AJ Greer. Clock, right, exactly looking at AJ Greer. Count has significantly more time than someone like that does. Yep, Greer just turned 23 this last December. And this year, the year in which he turned 23, is uh, the year that we all kind of gave up hope. Yep. So... so- you have to do, you definitely have to, uh, and it's funny you bring that up because I uh, was having this conversation on Twitter today um, because Mac uh, posted something about Tyson Jost being 21 and how the perception of Tyson Jost at 21 is that he won't get any better uh, because he's had, you know, he will have played. This is his third full NHL season. Yeah, he will he will have played like 160 games or something by the end of the season. And how people are still waiting on Comfort to take the next step, even though he's 24. And it's just different perception, right? Right. And uh with with Cout, it's really it would be very difficult to give up on him. He's 19 years old. And we're seeing something similar happening in Toronto right now with Timothy Liljegren because Liljegren got two years in the, he got two full seasons in the AHL. Uh, And when you, I think when, when prospects get to the AHL and then they stop there for a little while, regardless of age, it's seen as a bad thing. Um, Yeah. Just by people who don't, you know, by people who have heard of prospects, but maybe don't follow them closely. It's just like, wow, if if he got so close, because like the AHL is like your last stop before the NHL. And so if you get there and you stop, it's like, well, you're not good enough then. But some of these guys and the AHL has trended this way a lot in the last few years. Very young. Uh, the, the demographics in the AHL are changing a little bit in that it is becoming more of that development league because teams are more willing to put teenagers in the AHL when they can. I think the reality is that the NHL continues to get younger and younger as well. You don't have many players breaking into the league at age 25 anymore. Like what used to be the starting point, you were not even, people wouldn't even take you seriously unless you were a special, special talent in the eighties and nineties until you were 23, 24, whatever. With that being said, you have to be careful about not letting the pendulum swing too far the other way. 18-year-old kids are teenagers. They have so much growth left to do as a human being, let alone as a hockey player. They're not physically done growing. Right. <laughs> exactly. They still have a body to fill out. Yeah. I, I will never forget uh, my first year covering the Avs. Uh, Nathan McKinnon walked in and told us that he grew a quarter of an inch over the summer. (laughs) And it was just like, huh? Huh? And right. It, it's sometimes hard to tell just how young, when you call someone 18, 19 years old, that's unbelievably young, despite them going out and playing hockey at such a high level, be it in the NHL, AHL or otherwise, there's a lot more still to come from guys like that. And the fact that I, well, I'll put it this way. 
the timetable for someone like that as a pro hockey player, of course, it's going to be longer than someone who went to four years of college and comes into the AHL at age 22. (laughs) Yeah. Like Cam Morrison. Great example. Cam Morrison leaves Notre Dame, signs uh, either he'll sign with the abs or he'll sign somewhere else. That guy opens up in the AHL next year. He better not be in the AHL for long. Right. He gets one full year, maybe one and a half or two. I mean, maybe one full year. You just don't have that kind of time. When you're talking about a guy that's already 22 with a full college career behind him, he just can't. You can't have that much time left. Fair enough. That it's just the reality. And if Martin Kaut is sitting here two years from now with one year left on his ELC and the progress isn't there, then we'll be having the same conversation about him. Yep. But that's two years down the road for him. It is. It is fascinating when we talk about these kids, how it goes from, Hey, they're young. Give them time to it's done. Like AJ There's Greer, very little in between, right? AJ Greer, there was like an eighteen month window where it was like, oh, let's see what he has. Let's see what he has. You know, oh, he's he's playing really well in the AHL. This is his best year in the AHL. Oh, he's not he's not sticking with the ABS for whatever. Ah, oh, man, they're really not giving him much uh, much ice time either. Uh, well, he didn't stick either way. He did not earn the coaching staff's trust. He's down there. All right, it's over. Huh. Yeah. It, it just, goes quick. It does. It happens quickly. Like it's a very thin line between eh, he's young, give him time. If if we're if we're sitting here next year, one year from today, and Martin Kout has forty AHL games played and twelve points, there's a problem. To be fair, you take away the first seven games of the season, you only look at Martin Kout after the injury, much like we did with Shane Bowers. Mm-hmm. He's got nine points in 16 games. Yeah. And that's I'm, not fantastic, but that's solid. Yeah. And you're again, that's he's having the probably the worst year ever uh, as a hockey player, um, just given everything that's gone on and the frustrations and how badly he wants to be in the NHL and all, everything happening, right? And then you have, you know, the the emotional maturity that that is taking place. I really don't have I really don't have a major problem with Cout um, as the as it is now. It's disappointing yeah. because you and I, as mentioned, we were hopeful that he would push the way Bowers has where you're trying to find space for this kid because he's having that kind of season. Um, but it didn't work out that way. And it could have been, maybe, maybe that's where my mindset is, is that it could have been so much worse that I'm just like, oh, this isn't so bad. <laughs> it's all relative. Yeah. I mean that when you talk about a guy missing as much time as he did because of a head injury and, <clears throat> you know, in your 19 year old season, it's a concern. And it's it's something where you're just like, you hope it doesn't mess him up because, you know, I was uh, working on my Ryan Graves feature. Obviously, I had to talk about Chris Begraw quite a bit. Yep. And I talked with uh, a scout for one team who said to me, we really liked Chris Begraw. We were convinced the Avs had found a really good player in him. And... After the concussion, he said he just has never been the same player or person. It's it's he just never fully recovered. And thankfully, well, go ahead. That's a that's a huge concern, right? Like that that and because that was not like a major concussion. Like Connor Timmons missed a year, you know. Chris Bigram missed what was it like two months? Yep. And Not all that different from the time Kaut missed. Exactly. Exactly. And so, of course, Kaut was still out while I was having some of these conversations uh, and working on this feature. And it was like, oh, my God, this is it made me nervous for Kaut. So it might have shifted my perspective on him that it looks like he's come back and he's still been quality. 
Yeah, still uh, very I'm, responsible with the puck, things like that. Yeah, and and then I'm of the opinion where I'm just like, oh, this is fine. Everything you know? is getting back on track, as right. it were. Like he is, his development track is getting back to you know his, the the train is moving forward on the development track. Sure, and it may not be moving as quickly as we'd like, or it may not, you know, <laughs> it may not moving. ever get up yeah. to the top speed we would hope for out of a first round pick. But it's moving, and it still is looking like there's a chance that there's a good chance that they get a good NHL player out of this prospect. Yep. I think that's a good place to end period two of the podcast. But if you guys didn't know, DNVR is now covering Colorado's professional rugby team, the Colorado Raptors. Reporter Colton Strickler is taking you inside the locker room with the DNVR Raptors podcast, and you can find his written Raptors content right on our site with the rest of our coverage. He was even on this week's Denver Sports Podcast as well, chatting with AJ and the other guys about rugby and, to be honest, teaching us quite a bit about the sport because we're kind of lost at times. Yeah, I I loved what does this mean? What day (laughs) of the week do they play on? Right. How does scoring work? So if you have questions like those, check out this week's Denver Sports Podcast. And, of course, you can also join this amazing team community on the DNVR Raptors Twitter account to get a daily look at what Colorado rugby is all about. These guys have an opportunity to really be great this year, and we're excited to take you on the journey. If you didn't know, the Raptors play at Infinity Park in Glendale, just east of Cherry Creek. And beyond checking out our coverage, you should really go down there and watch a game game in person. It's an awesome venue full of amazing fans and the prices are unbeatable. Kids get in for just five bucks right now when you buy tickets at coloradoraptors.com. Search for the DNVR Raptors podcast after our show and give Colorado Rugby a shot. Third period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by Davidson's. I'm Rudo. He's still AJ. We're still talking Eagles. We've talked Cal, we've talked Bowers. The other prime prospects for the Avs on the Eagles is Connor Timmons, who has played quite well for the Eagles when he has played. <laughs> Another Avs prospect player that has been injured this season, Timmons has been out for about a month now with a lower body injury is all that we know for sure. He did Skate in a no-contact jersey today in practice, so that's something. But, man, the Avs just can't buy a break. Uh, yeah. Pretty much. I mean, they can't buy a break. Connor Timmons can't buy a break. No kidding. Easy peasy. Easy peasy sadness squeezy. Um, Timmons, the thing is... Timmons was probably one of the key players the Avs have been looking to develop this season. Obviously, he made the Avs out of training camp and all of that, but he's also the only real NHL caliber prospect the Avs had in the AHL. The rest of that decor is, excuse me, essentially veterans and then whatever you want to call Anton Lindholm at this point, I guess. So when he's out... It feels like the abs are leaving something on the table because there's just nothing to develop on the back end. Uh, yeah, it it feels like go Cali Rosen. Sure, and and go Kevin Connaughton, I guess. Right, and, and those are guys that you can talk about as potentially playing in your NHL lineup, but you. Can't certainly Kevin Connaughton is not a prospect. He has a well over 200 <laughs> NHL games. He's also um, like 28. Right. And, but even <laughs> Callie Rosen is 24 and you know, he's got he's 50. Older than that. Is he 25? Uh, I think he's 26. Did he turn 26 this year? Well, I don't know. I don't know how to do math. 25. He's 25. We're good. We're good till February. Um, Nonetheless, not really someone you would consider a prospect at this point. He's been yeah. playing pro hockey for quite a while. Mm-hmm. God, like so, seven years. Yeah, if you count all of his time back in Sweden and stuff yeah. too. Um, 
so Rosen is he's a piece. He's a he's he's essentially Mark Barbario, but on the AHL side, I think is the way that you put it. Yeah. Um, not Mark something Barbario, you're developing. but without uh, but with waiver exemption. So right, exactly. Uh, so that leaves. What can the Avs get out of Connor Timmins the rest of this year? If this injury had not happened, there was probably some angling for a potential call-up for Timmins coming into the second half of this year. Right, exactly. He was absolutely playing well enough to justify that kind of conversation, 100%. So is there still any hope for that, or or is this injury enough to pretty much pump the brakes? I think the injury should probably – I think it's probably done. Yeah. Okay. That's – Fair enough. Also, for the most part, his time with the Eagles was more focused on power play and and being that type of player, which he's not getting power play time with the abs ever. That's just not something that's going to happen. Yeah. Um, So I do think there certainly is still some rounding out in his game there. The abs want him to be extremely solid on the defensive side, certainly. I... I don't know. I don't know exactly what his next steps are with the Eagles. His fit in the organization got real weird real fast. Yep. Uh, Just because Colorado has solidified their top six at the NHL level. Uh, Every one of those guys, they will either have the rights to or has a contract uh, Through 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 next year. So... I believe the only guy who doesn't is Dorov, and he's an RFA. Right. So that's rights. Yeah. So and, he's unlikely to go somewhere. And yeah. And then you're sitting with Bo and Byron breathing down his neck as well. Exactly. And, and I mean, Bo and Byron breathing down his neck. Bo and Byron's ahead of him in that hierarchy. Well, sure. He just can't show up. In, yeah, he just can't do anything about tomorrow. it. But <laughs> right. if we're talking about uh, a young player breaking into. Uh, the Avs defense next year. It's Bowen Byram. Yeah, I I don't think there's any doubt that he will be playing NHL games next season <laughs> and probably all of them. Uh, yeah, really, really, man. Like, that's... Uh, <laughs> I'm... I don't know what to do with Connor Timmons at this point. Um, I mean, there's... I've said before, they're going to have to make choices this summer. Yep. And it's easy to let Barbario go and Rosen take his spot. That still leaves you with, you got to make room for Byram, let alone Timmons. Right. Exactly. And then, so do you say, okay, well, instead of Rosen, does Timmons then take that spot? You don't know. You don't really want Connor Timmons just not playing. Yeah, seventh D doesn't make a ton of sense there. Exactly. So that's why I have Rosen there next year. Again, assuming no outside uh, acquisitions. I'm. I'm. Curious if the team commits to Zadorov this summer. Because if they do, then I really don't know where to go. Uh, but at over $3 million and with essentially no offense, um, barring a crazy finish to the season, which is certainly possible, uh, he had like five goals in the second half of last year. So <laughs> anything is possible. Um, he would need like a strong offensive finish, but... He's already costing over $3 million. He's got, I think, one year of RFA left, two years of RFA left. And so you're talking, I think he has two years of RFA left. So, <laughs> I mean, we've had this conversation before. It's a weird fit. The reality kind of is that either Zadorov or Ian Cole is just probably not going to be on this team next year. And Cole's under contract. Right. Cole so is signed through next season. That's that's where, you know, and then Ryan Graves has made this complicated. Right. This made sense until Ryan Graves showed up and was good. And then you're like, okay, <laughs> now what? 
because now I mean Graves looks like he's in it for our uh, a multi year extension. Yep, and I- is immediately uh, he signs that deal and he immediately becomes a prime suspect for Seattle. One hundred percent. That that's kind of just the reality of it. There's no world where the Avs protect eight skaters instead of going seven and three. Right. And unless Graves has a whole nother gear that I've never seen before, he's not going to be one of the three. <laughs> right. Because Gerard and McCarr will be two. And then right now, Eric Johnson has to be the third. Um, you know, there's always the possibility they ask him to wave. He does. So there's no reason for Seattle to take him. Um, and then, then, then they could choose, you know, who to protect from there as the third D. But there's a lot of things that have to happen between now and then to even get to that point. Right. But the Timmons conversation is as much a Zadorov Cole conversation as anything else. Yep. Um, and and it would be strange to move out both Zadorov and Cole, and then bring in, you know. You take Fireman out and Timmons kind well, of. Well, you take out three really experienced guys: Barbario, T- uh, uh, Zadorov, and Cole, and then you replace them with uh, essentially three rookies, and in Rosen, Timmons, and Byram. Like that's not realistic for a team that wants to compete for a yeah. championship. I mean, you're starting six. You have EJ, who is very experienced, but then your next guy is Sam Gerrard with three seasons as the most experienced defenseman on the right. team. And then you're talking about defenders, you know, Kill McCard. You're talking about 22 and under four of your guys. Right. <laughs> That's pretty nutty. <laughs> so uh, it's hard to envision a team with Stanley Cup aspirations taking that chance. I would love it if they did just because you don't ever really see stuff like that. But I just, I have a hard time buying that that's a realistic possibility. Right. You're, it almost has to be one of them, as we said, to get Byram in, in his time. But to imagine all of that happening, it's a stretch to say the least, especially for a team that we know does like to rely on their veterans when the going gets tough. Well, and then you're having an honest conversation about, okay, well, if not then, then when, and you're saying, oh, well, there will be injuries. And sometime next year he gets called up and well, what if he gets hurt again? You know, it could happen. Yep. Uh, Is, is the two games he got this year? Like, is that just it for Connor Timmons for a while? Like it's, it's a tough conversation and it's not, and it's, it's, when he's been healthy, he's been a top D prospect without any doubt whatsoever. Yep. He was the Eagles' best player for the – for. he played, what, 22 first games? first month of the season, basically. He was their best yeah. player in, like, 18 of them. Yep. So it it is tough, and it's a bit concerning because – We've seen this happen before. We've seen this organization just run out of time on guys. And I'm not saying it will happen to Timmons, but it's certainly there in the back of my mind. I'm just, I'm, we've never seen them do this. So I naturally have a lack of trust. Yeah. uh, That the organization will be able to balance competing for a Stanley cup and incorporating young players. Right. And we've, we've promoted this as a prospect pod and we've talked about three prospects in an hour. Um, if we can't, if, if we, if the abs can't find ice time for Shane Bowers and Connor Timmons, what are the futures for guys like uh Shvirev and Nick Henry? Exactly. That's exactly what I'm saying with well, the reason we've talked about three prospects is because these are the only three that based on the way the abs have been developing their prospects this year that have a legitimate shot at the NHL. Yeah. Nick Henry and and Igor Shvirev have been stuck on the fourth line up in Northern Colorado, not producing that much. Maybe that's partially because they're not ready yet. That's also definitely partially because they just don't get that much opportunity. Role is a huge part of the conversation with those guys. It is. It absolutely is. I mean, you you talk about Igor, who was a dominant point per game player in the MH in the MHL, uh, and 
could not find ice time in the KHL, got alienated by that situation and said, well, I'll just go to the NHL. Screw this. And then the abs come over here and are like, you know what? We're going to play Ryan Wagner over you. Which is just ridiculous. We're going to we're going to go out. We're going to load up on AHL veterans. We're going to play guys like Michael Jolie ahead of you. And it's it's not to the extreme of, oh, well, he was only playing 30 seconds in the KHL. But it's the same situation. It's the same thing where he can't get the ice time that he needs to continue to develop. Right. Like, are you serious about developing this player or are you not? Yep. And this is one where future prospects need, you know, especially if I'm Danila Taravalov and I'm uh, Kovalenko, I'm watching this. And especially after the Miranov fiasco, I'm watching how, you know, and, and what happened with Boykov. I'm watching how these guys get treated when they go over and play in the Avalanche AHL organization and saying, I'm not doing that. I have a job. I'm playing in the top league in my home country. I'm not going over there and playing fourth line for you guys in the AHL where you guys have never promoted anybody and you've never developed anybody into an NHL player. I'm not doing that. Why would you? It, It's not a savvy business move and unless you're like Igor and you're stuck in an extremely tough situation. Right. Which, he got pushed out. Yeah. And essentially Zeradlov and Kovalenko are not in that situation at right. all. They have very secure, real KHL jobs. They are set in the KHL. If they want to be, they don't ever have to leave. So exactly. You know, I think, I think Colorado and like, and I'm not saying Colorado should play Igor in the top six so that future Russian prospects will come over here, but treat him in a certain way. Show well, that like you're you said, serious about developing these guys. Right. Make a decision. Do you want to develop Igor? Develop him and give him the opportunities. If you don't, you don't. Move on. Fine. But putting him in this middle of, well, he's going to play fourth line in the AHL and we'll see where it goes from there. You're not giving him the opportunity to move up at any realistic rate. Yeah. It's, it's the aspect of the organization that remains unproven and a major question mark for them moving forward. Cause they've just not shown that they know how to do this. And you know, a guy like Nick Henry, Nick Henry was very good in the showcase was on their top line. Uh, I talked to Greg Cronin about him and Greg Cronin was glowing, said, Hey, his skating needs work, but we love the effort and we love the shot. And we love a lot of the different things that we're seeing out of him. And then he's now the man in charge and he's put him on the fourth. He's buried him and he's buried him in favor of a bunch of veterans who are playing out their careers, who are using development ice time to, pay their bills this is and i say this every year i have no issues with a couple of ahl veterans none but the avalanche always overdo it and they always get to that point where they take away this ice time and i wonder and i can't help but wonder how much of this is you know the fact that the abs have done this forever makes me think it's not maybe a big deal but i wonder how much of it they keep in mind that they rolled in to an extremely successful organization in the Eagles who were competing for league championships every year before they got the affiliation. And now they've got the affiliation. They moved up a league and they feel pressure to continue this, the history of success in Loveland. I mean, maybe they feel pressure. Maybe they don't, but the AHL is a developmental league at the end of the day. Exactly. And they need to treat it that way. And they need to start getting some guys out of there who are going to develop. Like this year, it's not that big of a deal. They can get they can get by. They are going to face a major cap crunch in the next couple of years. Maybe not as major because Gabe Landeskog has eight assists, but a major cap crunch is coming. They're gonna have to get quality players on ELCs. And instead of preparing some of these guys, like guys like Bowers, guys like Cout. I think they're going to be fine. But even those guys, they're not getting power play time and they're not really in the top six 
on a consistent basis. It's it's insane that there was a long stretch of this season, and granted, Martin Kaut was hurt for a lot of this, but they were playing defenseman Jacob McDonald at forward on the power play over prospects. And Jacob McDonald played well, but it's it's Jacob McDonald nonsense. is a good AHL player. Right, exactly. And it's, and it's and it's if you're focused on winning AHL games, it makes sense to do that. If you're focused on developing AHL players into NHL players, it makes no sense to do that. Right. Exactly. That's and the that's tell. 100% is the tell. And it's disappointing that that's the priorities right now. One last guy before we get out of here, because again, we are focusing on the Eagles here and not yes. guys like Newhook and Hellison and Morrison and then, if, you know, all the Notre Dame guys. If you're looking for that, there will be a big prospect portfolio coming up this week. So yeah, you can get that info. There will be written content. You will actually yeah. have to read that one. But uh, we wanted to talk just primarily about Eagles. And the other guy that we have to talk about here uh, is the guy that I think is probably surprised the most this year on the Eagles. And that's Adam Warner. Yeah. Goaltender man himself. It's, it's a bit roller coastery to say the least, but that's not anything new, especially for a guy that, you know, is going to be trying to compete for an NHL backup job in the future. 22 years old right now does not turn 23 until May. How much of his success has been a boon for the organization to give them a legitimate goaltender prospect that is not in Europe several years away? I mean, I think it's, I don't know how much of a boon it is immediately and directly, but indirectly, whatever happens with Pavel Francouz this offseason, I think is a lot more stomachable. And the key to that is the Avs don't have to overcommit to a backup goaltender now. What would you do right now? Unfair of me to ask because 49 games in, 33 games remaining, and we we don't know, right, how Werner and Franzos finish in their respective jobs. But say that it's more of the same. Franzos continues to get unbelievable goal, goal support and win games despite giving up two or three goals and then has the occasional fantastic performance. Um, and Werner continues on at kind of the 9-10 pace, where the games he plays well, he's very good, and the games against San Jose, he's really bad. <laughs> and weirdly accurate. He's just he throws up like six hundred save percentages and gets pulled against San Jose, but everyone else he's fine against. Right. Like I wonder what his numbers would look like if you took away the Barracuda games. Yeah, it'd, it'd be significantly better. Every. <laughs> Everything on the West Coast, I'm looking to, like, Tucson, he had a bad game. San Diego was a bad game. <laughs> he doesn't like the warmth, I guess. Um, it's it's a tough conversation not knowing what Francois is asking for. You know, if, if Francois is playing well and he says, hey, I'll come back for a couple years at less than $2 million, easy money. If he if he if he would agree to a two year one point five million dollar deal, would you just take that with Francois and not worry I, about it? I'd sign that today. I wouldn't care. Okay, I would. I would too. I think that would be great business for the Avalanche. Right, Stay, you're done. That's your backup goalie. You don't have to worry about it anymore. Whatever. Adam Warner can continue plugging along in the AHL. If someone's super high on him, you can feel like trading him, depending on how you feel about Eustace Anand and whatever. That's fine. Having the Adam Werner asset just grants you versatility there. If if Francois comes into the offseason and says, I want $4 million and an opportunity to be a starter, you're not getting that here, Frankie. Sorry. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I wonder what his offseason market looks like. I I don't think uh, it'll be super robust, but I do wonder where uh, he gets the interest from. Yeah. And what kind of money he gets offered. Because if a team offers 
say that a team comes along and offers a two-year deal at two and a half million, and he takes that and uh, goes to Sackick and says, "If you match this, I'll stay." Yes, that's like right on the line, isn't it? I think I would probably do it because known quantity and all. Uh, and I think the next two years they can get away with overpaying for that. But yeah, it but it'll it's come the next cost, two years. It'll come at a cost somewhere. But I think they could get away with it for two years. If it was a three year deal, I would say no. You just you can't. You need to be pinching every penny you can post Landeskog and Makar deals. That's exactly. just the reality. That's that's the the they've got like a two year window where they can still spend kind of frivolously or on the fringes if they want to. Yep. Um, but I do wonder how much security in term does Francois want there. Yeah. Right. I do wonder where, and I wonder where the abs front office line in the sand ends up being. Right. You know, we saw uh, last summer, three years for Ryan Carpenter was their line. They said, no, we won't do that. And they ended up getting two years on Belmar. Yep. And that's worked out just fine. I don't know how Carpenter is doing, but um, certainly Belmar is, has filled his role. Right. You've gotten a career year at the all-star break out of him. Yeah. So you're like, well, it's that one. Okay. To, tough to have any kind of buyer's remorse there. For the record, Ryan Carpenter, 13 points, two goals. Uh, okay. Well, and on a terrible team, like, a, yeah, I would yeah, be Chicago curious how he would be here. Of course. Yeah. But, I mean, we say Chicago's bad, but they've been on, they've been really hot lately. And I think they're tied with Vin, uh, with Winnipeg now. They've been really hot lately and they're still in the bottom five of the West. Yeah. Well, I mean, the West this year is also, come on. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I know. But they're three points out of Chicago's three points out of a playoff spot. So, right. It's, it's very tight as always. Yeah. They've, they've been much better recently. Winning streaks and all, you know, uh, story. Uh, but okay, so Nick Henry, Igor Spirev, like still, we'll we'll see in the future. Adam Werner, kind of depends on Frankie's situation. Uh, Tibbins, Bowers, and Kaut though should be NHL players in the next two years. Yes, uh, Bowers next year, I'd say. <laughs> yeah, especially. Full stop. As as Evan said, uh, Bednar yeah. loves him like his, his Jane like he's Bednar. His <laughs> so uh, Bowers, I think, definitely is on the AHL team next year. Cout, I don't, and Timmins, I think, um, kind of like Werner, I think Timmins is going to depend so much on what Injuries happens in front of whatever. Him. Yeah, I, I there's a world where I see Cout sticking in the NHL by the end of next season. Oh. I don't. Agreed. Don't think he starts there. Agreed. I will totally um, agree with you there. So it it's always kind of a you have to see how it plays out, and I mean you don't know. Francois could go down with injury next year or or sometime this year, and Adam Warner could get more NHL games, and we might come out of that saying he's ready or he's nowhere close. We don't know. Right. So it. That's the trick with prospects is you don't know until you know, and you got to see them to know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I think with uh, certainly with Bowers and Timmons, I think those are I I am very, very confident that those are NHL players today. They would be on bad NHL teams. Yep. For getting, sure. Getting ice time. And Kaut is uh, on the borderline. Um, if Kaut say that the, the, if Kaut was in Detroit system, I think he would be a Red Wing after the deadline. Same kind of deal there. I, Timmons would be on Ottawa's blue line this whole season. Yeah, oh so. God, yes. Tim, I think Timmons would probably be on ten or fifteen blue lines. Uh, I'd say five to ten, maybe. I don't know about ten to fifteen. I think. Uh, <laughs> I, I maybe this is just me, but I think there are a lot of bad defenses in the <laughs> NHL. So. <laughs> And I and I think the world of Connor Timmons. I think he's an NHL player. I'm not going to argue with him with you on the him being an NHLer. So either way, good. It says a lot about how far <laughs> the Avs have come that 
these types of players are not just automatically on the roster. Right. Um, consider. I mean, Tyson Jost, it was easy. When Tyson Jost wanted to come here, it was like, yeah, put him in the NHL. Yep. And now it's like, okay, well, now there's, what do you do with these guys? Right. You know, do you, it's not do you like find a oh, home for him or cool. You're replacing the ghost of Rennie Bork. <laughs> like yeah. it's a little bit stiffer competition these days. Just a touch, huh? Yeah. So no disrespect to Rennie, but he was at the end of a long career. Exactly. I mean, it was time. Very diplomatic way to put that, my friend. Yep. Sometimes well sometimes I'm not a jerkwad. Uh, yeah, that's my job. <laughs> Never. But we're going to wrap up the show there. AJ, it's safe to say that if the Avs figure out how to develop prospects, what would it be? It would be life-changing. <laughs> well, StravaCraft coffee could be life-changing for you as well, as this CBD-enriched coffee has taken away long-term migraines, back pain, arthritis, IBS, and even help decrease anxiety. CBD is all-natural and not psychoactive. As Strava says, drink deeply, live fully, and develop your prospects. Check it out for yourself today and receive 20% off when you use code DNVR20 at checkout, and you can get it shipped straight to your door. Thank you for listening. I know a lot of people were clamoring for prospect stuff, so we got that on there. As I said, the prospect portfolio will be coming out covering all of the non-pro abs prospects. There'll be WJC highlights in there, things like that. And we will have a draft pod sometime next week. I don't know when exactly, but it's coming as well. I know y'all want it. We'll get on that as well. So, yeah. We will talk to you again tomorrow.